You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Hey everyone, welcome in to another training camp observations episode of Purple Daily. Where today we're going to dive into potentially an up and coming star tight end, Herb Smith, and Pro Football Focus casting some shade upon Delvin Cook. At least the way I interpreted this. Thought those people were our friends. Yeah. I don't know. We just had Eric Eager on yesterday. Screw that guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated's been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. And Federated has been standing side by side with Minnesota business owners throughout this pandemic period and helping them with trusted resources, pandemic planning, and just general risk management tools. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects and find your local marketing representative at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. You like that? You like that? Hey, and welcome to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff in the house here producing. And we are now, what, Four days into, five days into Vikings practices and training camp. Last Friday they started, and Monday was full pads for the first time. So uh, the the pads are cracking. There's only three weeks left until the regular season. A million questions to be answered, not only with the Vikings and across the league. It's just going to be, quite frankly, the most unique football season of our lifetimes. But right now there's a few things to dive into here for this episode regarding the Vikings. And I just want to throw some things around and we can kick some stuff around. Let's start with Irv Smith Jr., I'm reading this from The Athletic. Arif Hassan uh, wrote this excerpt. Among the tight ends at practice, and Judd's been at practice this week, but um, also Twins games, and so we've been kind of bouncing back and forth uh, between Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, Twins and Vikings. Among the tight ends, Irv Smith Jr. seems to be doing the most. He's been a sharp route runner, which was a bit of a question for him in the past, so his ability to make cuts at speed is good to see. It's not the final stage of his evolution as a route runner, but it's good progress. The Vikings have been experimenting with lining him up outside a little bit more often than they've lined him up uh, than they've lined up tight ends in the outside in the past. This could become a regular possibility. So I love the idea of Irv Smith on the outside. He's faster, at least with the eye test and with you know, combine numbers, than most tight ends that you're going to find. He's certainly faster than Kyle Rudolph. Like you would never put Kyle Rudolph on the outside. And expect him to beat somebody, you know, you maybe put Kyle Rudolph on the outside situationally in the red zone or something. But Irv Smith on the outside between the 20s is an interesting, tantalizing proposition because the Vikings have so many slot caliber or or slot type receivers that they can lean on. So what do you think about this? I think it's going to be a natural progression of who Irv Smith is going to become, and I think he has the potential to be a, um, a star in this league. I think that he has that... He has that sort of hybrid body that goes between being a tight end and a receiver. And I think when we think about the loss of Diggs, we think about it too much in terms of probably is B.C. Johnson going to beat the guy or can Jefferson step in there, right? 
the reality of Kubiak's offense, which, you know, certainly has taken advantage throughout the course of his career as an OC and head coach of tight ends before, Irv Smith fits in absolutely perfectly. And Irv Smith, who Kubiak said a year ago at this time, his head is, quote, swimming, then stepped up and had a pretty good year. For a rookie, Irv Smith was good. And you said to yourself, okay, he's good, but he could be really, really good. And so I do believe that what we're seeing is the natural progression to Irv Smith. Um, not He's not going to be the guy that, that replaces Diggs either, but I think he becomes part of the equation, and I think that he becomes a, a real threat, and I think he can catch a ton of passes. And, and I think athletically, unlike Kyle, he can probably make moves and do things that sort of skew between being a traditional tight end and a uh, receiver as well. So I love this, and it makes perfect sense. And if Irv Smith ends up, if we have a complete uh, 2020 season, ends up going to the Pro Bowl, I'm not going to be surprised one bit. And I do believe that by the time we get to November or so, Phil, we are going to find that one of um, Kirk Cousins' favorite targets is Irv Smith. I think it's a product of opportunity more than anything else in that if you were to take – Kyle Rudolph plus Irv Smith and give all of those opportunities to just Irv Smith. Even last year, we'd be talking about a guy that probably caught between 65 and 75 passes for, I don't know, 750, 800 yards. Like if, if it was, all right, Irv Smith, you're the guy. And sometimes you're going to be replaced just, you know, to get a breather or if, if, if you need somebody else in situationally as a blocker, so if, if if he were to get, let's say, 75% of the snaps and Rudolph was reduced to 25%, maybe they're, maybe they're on the field at the same time for an overlap of some kind, and Kyle Rudolph became your red zone specialist, I guess I would just like to see Irv Smith between the 20s more often. I think you'll see it, though. You get, you get him in space. It makes a lot of sense. Um, what do you think, in terms of tight ends in the NFL right now, I mean, the, the top tier and, and the money has, has showed this, too, and the contracts that these guys have gotten. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are definitely in that top tier. Mm-hmm. Both guys have just turned into thousand yard beasts. And then I think somewhere below those guys, you've got like the Zach Ertz tier. Uh, last year, uh, Darren Waller for Oakland also caught 90 passes for 1100 yards and kind of went under the radar. And then I guess Austin Hooper has had a couple good seasons. Where do you think Irv Smith Jr. can fit in? Like, is there a chance for Irv Smith Jr. in your mind to what, not necessarily this year, but like in the next two or three years, right? Is he the type of guy you think could flirt with that top tier or two of pass-catching tight ends in the NFL? I think he could, in fairness, I think he could flirt with the top tier. I don't know that he has the physical ability completely to move into that top tier with the two guys that you broached, Um, but I think the potential's there. I think he definitely gets into the second tier. I also think the interesting thing is, and this is the exciting thing about football and sports in general, the evolutions that we're seeing, I think we can't dismiss the fact that Irv Smith, again, with his body type, is a hybrid player, very much so. And so, you know, if if you send him out to do the same things that Kyle does, he's probably not going to be as good or succeed. But if you send him him out as, as I, I think they call it the H-back, right, the guy that is sort of the receiver, but he's a tight end, but he's a receiver, 
Um, I think that I think that Irv Smith can carve a niche that might not go directly in the direction of what a guy like um, Kelsey or or Kittle does, but I think it might be a little bit different, but no less successful if yeah. that makes sense. So my my hope, if you ask me right now, is there a guy that I saw last year on the Vikings roster who I think has a lot more there and could emerge as a star? I think the top of my list. Is Irv Smith? Yeah, I think the the one thing I would point to from a measurables standpoint. That's right, from a measurables football standpoint. Oh, God, football, you go. All right, is the fact that when you talk about top tier tight ends, top tier pass catching tight ends in the NFL the last twenty years or so, mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates from the earlier two thousands. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Just keep right? going. You just go down the whole list of tight end names, man. That's right. All those guys are six foot four, six foot five, yep. two hundred fifty pounds. Yes, you know h- height matters, especially when you know th- those tight ends are not going to be getting like ten feet or, t- or ten yards of separation on on cornerbacks and safeties all the time. They go up in traffic and put their big mitts up over a five foot ten defensive back. Did right? you say mitts? That's right. They put their mitts up. Football, because those are big mitts. Mm-hmm. And Irv Smith Jr. is six foot two. No, he's not. Right. That's what I'm, yes. He's not Rumpelstiltskin, but he's not George Kittle. The extra two or three inches of height does, I think, in some cases, separate yes. the elite of the elite from what what Irv Smith Jr. could uh, could potentially be. So, but just, I just, just I just out the measurable. I see the the opportunity here for this guy to play an absolutely enormous role in the passing game. Yep. Uh, all right. Next topic here on the camp notebook rundown. Pro Football Focus has ranked, and Dalvin Cook is still awaiting a contract, and so we we don't have any news on that front today. But or is he? You think it's a done deal behind the scenes, or is it not a done deal? Because he said he's a happy camper, and you know, Maybe at, at, at one point three mil, if you're a happy camper, we'll I'm see. a happy camper. Declan has predicted in the Mackie and Judd write that down uh, segment that the contract will be done within forty eight hours of mm-hmm. this recording, so sometime it's in the next scoops. couple days. So Pro Football Focus has ranked the top 25 running backs ahead of the 2020 NFL season. The rankings go like this. Christian McCaffrey. Any arguments there? No. No, hell no. no. Yeah, he's the best. I might argue for Zeke Elliott, but Christian McCaffrey is certainly the most versatile and high usage running back in the NFL. Do you know how good he's going to be with Teddy? Oh. Well, he can could be. Imagine. He's good with anybody. No, yeah, I, I he's know. Good with but random guys last year. I I agree with that. But he is. He is. If Teddy could design a guy to play that position, T- Teddy's like, wait, I get to check down to my running back a hundred times next. Do you year? know what this is? Great. The anti. The anti Peterson. Yeah. You oh, yeah. you never take him off the field. He catches, but passes. I mean, and you you don't ask Teddy to, oh uh, Teddy, oh I'm so sorry, we just worked on something all training camp, but can we abort that because right. the running back can't do that? Listen, Teddy, I know you've never taken a snap under center in your entire football life, but can we just do this for the rest of the season because Adrian but wants it? Adrian likes to line up in anyway his his classic formations. I, I'm with Dexter. I'm absolutely fine. So number one is Christian McCaffrey. Number two is Nick Chubb. Going into his third year with Cleveland. I saw that. Now, now, Nick Chubb was excellent last year. If you just look at the back of the football card stats, well over 1,000 yards, five yards per carry. You got your Nick Chubb card? I personally do not. Oh, I thought you might have had a Nick <laughs> no, Chubb card with you. I personally do not. But I've been, uh, I've been looking on the internet for <laughs> Nick Chubb football cards. Oh we should right. get a Chubb card. And according to Pro Football Focus, he had a 92 out of 100 rushing grade since entering the NFL out of Georgia in, in 2018. So 
He's been under the radar because Cleveland's offense, you mostly focus on like the headliner guys, Baker Mayfield and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and even Jarvis Landry. But Nick Chubb has been excellent. Alvin Kamara, number three. Mm-hmm. Talk about Swiss Army knife guys. Absolutely. Saquon Barkley and his ridiculously huge thighs, number four. <laughs> and yep. This is where I take issue with the list. All right. Aaron Jones, number five. Declan loves Aaron Jones. Love Aaron Jones. Yeah, he's very good. Zeke Elliott, number six, and Dalvin Cook, number seven, ahead of Derrick Henry, who's just a classic old-school hand-me-the-ball running back, and Josh Jacobs, number nine. Rounding out the list is Austin. How do you pronounce Is it Austin uh, Eckler from the Chargers? One of those names I see in fantasy football all the time, but I've rarely heard it pronounced (laughs) because I don't watch Chargers games. Which is your fault, man. I know. Wait, hold on a second. You're the quarterback that you love just got done playing 18 years for the Chargers. I used to love Philip Rivers. Rivers. You loved him five years ago. I still love him. When we started this show, there was a good three year run before you would get (laughs) off your Philip Rivers love. Philip Rivers and Tony Romo are like my two long lost lover quarterbacks. Can I say this about about rankings of running backs in the National Football League? I don't. And this is a bold statement. I don't know that there is a more useless position in any sport, every sport. So if you take every sport, you know, hockey centers or goaltenders or basketball guards or forwards or baseball starting pitchers, I don't know that there's anything more useless than trying to rank running backs in football because a week and a half from now, it could change. Like, it changes constantly. So if Dalvin Cook's top 10, I think it's absolutely fine. Because, seriously, I mean, we we could get to October 1st and it could be like, I'd like to redo this one because if you rank basketball guards, right, like they might change some, but you you got a pretty good idea, I think. Um, Hockey goaltenders, you got a pretty good idea. Baseball starting pitchers, you got a damn good idea. Running backs, I guarantee you that come 2021, if we are doing this show at that time, I, I, I guarantee that there will be two names in this PFF top five or ten, ten that we um, don't even know right now or That's think true. about, like the running back position, it, it just it, it throws people into the garbage quicker than any position in sports. It is tr- That's which true. is why I don't pay them. And I think my issue with these rankings, well, so just to read the Dalvin Cook excerpt here to give context to why he's seventh and not higher, it says he's he's yet another one of these guys looking for a new deal. But the biggest roadblock when negotiating that second contract is injury history. So his 1,264 regular season snaps over the last three years are 10th most from the 2017 running back class alone. When you extend that to all running backs, it ranks 28th. So he's just not playing the snaps. As someone who came into the league as the guy in Minnesota, that has to be concerning. So he's 7th because of injury issues. If it's just like straight up, take the injuries out of it, if all these guys are at their peak, he's better than Aaron Jones. I think he's better than Alvin Kamara. And I think he's better than Nick Chubb. So I'm putting him probably in the top three or four. Christian McCaffrey is an interesting one because, yes, he's really, really good. But he's also just like getting he's getting more shots. Like this, mm-hmm. this would be like comparing a couple NBA players and one of them takes 40 but, shots a game. But the other Chris, one takes 15. But but Christian McCaffrey has never missed a game. And that's, that's a big true. deal. Durability that's why deal. that's the big de- deal here. Until Dalvin Cook proves that he can play all 16 games, it's going to ding him. 
Uh, Dex, how do you feel about validation for Aaron Jones here? You got what you wanted, which yeah. is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones in, is in, good. In I'm Team Declan here. here. Look, I, I think Damn he's. Good. I think when we did our Packer preview, I said he's probably neck and neck. I, I really think he's just as good as Dalvin Cook. Um, he probably belongs in the top five. So this is this is right. And maybe I just haven't been watching enough Cleveland Browns football, but like Nick Chubb <laughs> no, being two you have. seems. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah, one, I, oh, I no one has ever said <laughs> that before yeah. in Minnesota. <laughs> right. Our old buddy Danny Cunningham about to say, is about the someone only else. On Do you want a full scouting report? Just call uh, Cunningham. I'll, I'll call him up right now. Uh, Nick Chubb being two seems awfully high, and, he, and he's been good. Like I'm, I'm looking at his stats right now. Obviously, 1,400 yards, and he's averaged over five yards of carry since coming in the league. But I mean. 49 or only only 36 grabs last year like I don't know in terms of like versatility I think even a guy like Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook belong ahead of of Nick Chubb yeah well um yeah I think if if Dalvin Cook plays a full 16 games you're going to see just what he can do Mm -hmm. the only question there would be we talked about this on yesterday's episode his usage only twice since starting in college has he gone over 300 touches in the season the first one was his I believe junior year his last year at Florida State and he winds up coming out of the gate injured you know, early in the season, his rookie year with the Vikings. So workload's a problem. Now you talk about workload with Dalvin Cook, like getting over 300 touches is a load for him. Christian McCaffrey in his second year went to 326 for touches. Last year went to 403 and led yeah. the NFL. So part of it with McCaffrey is he's just getting 100 more touches than some of these other running backs but he's also able to stay healthy through it. But I would, I throw a red flag up, man. You give the guy, you give a guy the ball four hundred three times through the air and the ground in two thousand twenty. Tommy football, John coming, you think? And like <sighs> little Tommy John for the knee. Oh, man. What what's the the equivalent of, of a full knee reconstruction? That's uh, football's Tommy John, the Gale Sayers. Well, that's old school. I mean, the Teddy Bridgewater, the Teddy. Yeah, that could be. That's that's. I'm a, trying to think of a running back one. comp though. Uh, the it probably the, has to be Terrell a running Davis. back. Okay, that's closer. Yeah, the Terrell Davis surgery. I think he tore. I think he tore three ligaments, didn't he? He probably did. A ACL, lot of them do. A lot of them do. Hey, so so on Cook. What is your Phil carry ratio or carries for him? A with a new contract. B if you let him play out the contract. What is your two thousand and twenty touches? I shouldn't say carries. That's not right. Touches. If I sign him to a new contract that guarantees him money for like three more years, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more protective of my asset. I'm not just going to run him into the ground. If he's entering this season, final year of the contract, and I think I can win big, all right, which is a question. If I think I can win big and I don't necessarily have plans with Dalvin Cook beyond 2020, then he's touching the ball 350 times. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm throwing him a ton of passes. I'm just getting him the ball you're right. 20 times every single game. Okay. That's- okay. Here's the here's the reason to go down path B and to do it and not look back and not care. This is the first year, I believe you guys, since Zimmer got here in 2014, where we can make a pretty good case that, one, your offense is not bad. The loss of digs hurts, but your offense, the continuity of the offense is pretty good, okay? Uh, B, your defense has question marks. In other words, this might be the year, and it's going to be a weird year, in which you have to rely on your offense at times to do things it's never been asked to do before because you always saw your defense as the bailout. So if you take door B, and I think it might be the smart one, then I don't even know that the um, answer to the question is win big. It's how do you win? 
Boy, this is there's this is kind of getting also into like a philosophical roster discussion, which is if you don't think you're going to win big in 2020, you're not going to be a disaster. But if you just kind of think eh, there's just too many question marks at key positions and it's just kind of an eight and eight season and then try to really throttle down in 2021 is Dalvin Cook. And more specifically, is a Dalvin Cook contract part of the equation to win big in 2021? Because if I'm looking at my 2021 roster puzzle piece and salary cap puzzle piece, he is not the most important part to that puzzle. I'm not saying he's not an important part, but if I need, like, if I get through this season and it's very obvious Pat Elfline is not a starting guard and I am now in the market for, like, a free agent right guard or maybe even, like, two guards, if Riley Reef is gone and Ezra Cleveland moves to left tackle, sure. I might. I might need $20 million to spend on offensive linemen. It's time to stop screwing around. you got a quarterback in his prime and a coach mm-hmm. probably on, on the last three years of, of his deal with the Vikings, right, mm-hmm. with this new contract extension. Mm-hmm. So of, of the things that I could spend money on to potentially win big in 2020, Dalvin Cook takes a back seat to two or three other key areas on the roster potentially. So all of this to go, back, philosophy. to go back to your question – if you think you can win big this season, it would be great to just be able to say, all right, hey, we're going to turn you loose, and you're going to get the ball 350 times, and we're going to lean on you and then see what happens and evaluate after the season. Mm-hmm. If you don't think you're going to win big this season, then I don't know what you do. Because I don't – like whether whether you win big or not, he's still – if he stays healthy, he's still going to command $10, $12 million a year, whether it's from you or somebody else. So does Gary does Gary Kubiak care what you think about 2021? What what I think? He doesn't no, care no, about no, what no, I think at no, all. No, 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 I I'm saying the Vikings. So like Gary Kubiak's here, he's not a young guy, and Zim's not either, but Zim does have the the extension and perhaps Kubiak can be part of that as well. My point being is if you're Gary Kubiak and you just see the opportunity to try and win football games in 2020 and you know that you've got a quarterback who, you know, we, we can debate this, but should be able to win, you have components of the offense that are pretty good, including Cook. Do you focus on on what you're talking about, which is the future 2021-22, or do you personally just say, look, I think Mike's defense is not going to be as good as it's traditionally been, and it probably will not be. I can get an offense here that can score some points and make some things happen, but they're going to happen only if Dalvin Cook plays a huge role. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think, I think everyone with the Vikings has to be under the understanding that for a million different reasons, COVID, 15 rookies, you name it, that 2020, you are not the San Francisco 49ers. You are not the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. You're not. So like guys shouldn't be held accountable to that level in 2020. It's like it's it's kind of own, a step back year so in the, some ways. So I agree with what you're saying and and I think we've agreed on this topic for a while. Here's what I can't tell by their thinking. It's Cousins the extension which I get bought you some salary cap room as well. But Cousins got that extension. The philosophy on Cousins since the day he walked in the door is he can win offensively I look at them and I say yeah yeah I can see some things here so so I agree with what you're saying I don't know if the Vikings across the board I think there are people at TCO who definitely do agree I don't know if across the board they all do and that's what I'm curious about and that's where the Dalvin Cook factor if they try and push the contract extension off to me becomes that he is the chip to try and win immediately and 2021 from Dalvin's perspective be damned in their mind mm-hmm. Got one more thing for you here, Vikings training camp notes. 
Dan Bailey, according to multiple accounts and people counting here, I believe The Athletic <laughs> had this. He is 7-for-7 seven seven in field goal tries yeah. during team drills this week. Dan Bailey, how comfortable are you guys with him as the kicker? Now that it's been two years, he's entering his third year as the Vikings kicker. Comfortability as in like... Like when he when he lines up to kick a football, do you uh, feel good? Do you feel the way that you did when Blair after Blair Walsh missed that twenty seven yarder when he would line up for a field goal, and your pulse is like, oh god, and my pants bad, and right? my pants would get wet because I would pee. I would right I would say, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I'm probably at a, a, a seven out of ten. Com- I'm, I feel comfortable. So I feel let, comfortable. Let's define More the scale. So the scale yeah. is Blair <laughs> Walsh's hard. Blair Walsh's next kick. Like, was it the following season where Blair Walsh? Maybe it was earlier that season where he just like he couldn't make an extra point even. It was both. Yeah, so, I mean, the next season. So Blair, like Blair Walsh is a one, <laughs> and a ten would be like Adam Vinatieri. Vinatieri in the snow. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would say I, with my with Bailey, I'd probably say it's a seven. I still think it would be a seven. I I like him. He, he's made he made a good amount of kicks last year. He was twenty seven for twenty nine, and I think he had the same problem that you were just talking about earlier. He had some extra point issues, but I like him. I, I feel comfortable with him making a kick. I really do. Judley? Seven's probably fair. I might go as high as eight. Here's Ooh. what here's I actually think there's a there's a here's what I like. There's like a what do they call it when you when your car when they put something on your speedometer and you can't go past a certain point? Right? Like that's I don't is think a pedometer? As a, a Vikings a pedometer is a, is a step counter, isn't it? We're really good at this. No. I guess my point is, I don't think as a Vikings follower or fan, I don't think you can get to an eight, can you, with kickers? No. Oh, I no, can. No, no, I, I can. You're comfortable? Here's why. In fact, hold on a second. So when you put something on your speedometer to limit the speed, right? Mm-hmm. That's the right? Okay, I just Googled that. And, uh, it's not coming up. I just got a bunch of BS here. All right, so I'm going to put it at an eight, and, and here's why. It's twofold. One one is the most important thing was after the whole debacle of Kai Forbath into drafting Carlson into signing Bailey, Zimmer seemed to be, and I don't know why, and I criticized it at the time, and I'll continue to, to uh, criticize it, overly involved, and it was unnecessary. But then at the end of training camp last year, it was like they left Bailey alone, right? They went out and signed Colquitt. And don't underestimate a guy who is a good holder. It's incredibly important, okay? The the long snapper to the holder to the kicker is actually a very important team. And we always just blame the kicker. It's not fair. Speed governor. A speed governor. A, a speed governor. Speed governor. All right. So what they have done is they have now gotten in place, I think, and we don't hear about them. Nobody talks about them. It's a glorious thing. This trio of guys that can work on their craft and and – the one, okay, another P squared positive about the pandemic is the fact that pandemic does not allow Zim to obsess about kicking because he's got too much else to obsess about, right? So I got about an eight here because I feel like, and Forbath was fine too. Get a veteran mm-hmm. guy. Don't get cute. Don't get a big leg, Rick. I got a big leg from the SEC. Just get a veteran guy who can make the majority of his kicks. He's going to miss some PATs. It's a league-wide issue, okay? But I feel an incredible comfort about the fact that I don't think we're going to read, unless I write it, one story in training camp about the kicking. And I'm dead serious in saying that makes me feel good. It's not going to become this 
Dan Bailey missed two of 14 kicks, and Mike Zimmer expressed dismay. I think that's done for now. Yeah, it, it it's a rarity, um, which is, I feel like the last 10 years, it's just been like one story after another, except for Blair Walsh's second year, people felt comfortable because he made 10 of 10 50-yarders. Remember that? That's about the only time where everyone has felt pretty comfortable. So Dan Bailey... He uh, nearly matched his career-high field goal percentage last year. He made 93%. Declan mentioned 27 of 29, including 3 of 3 from beyond 50 yards. He missed too many extra points. He missed 4 extra points last year. Goal for 2. But I think people get more upset about missed extra points than like the actual effect on games. Now, I'm not I'm not advocating for missing extra points, but missing field goals is a bigger deal because yes. you're missing out on 3 points. Yeah. And two years ago with the Vikings, he missed seven of 28 field goals. A year after missing five of 20 field goals with Dallas in 2017, and those were his two worst seasons. And so, he was hurt in the last year with Dallas, right? Yeah, he I think it turned out he had issue. some type of hamstring or something like yeah. that. So to me, make all of your field goals under 40 yards, which he has with the Vikings. He's 20 of, actually, I'm sorry, he missed one chip shot in 2018. Mm-hmm. So make the gimmies. Mm-hmm. And if you could give us a majority of makes from from 50-plus, it would be ideal, too. Um, but I think it's more important to make the field goals, like make all of the kicks, but the field goals are the thing to be outraged about. And he was great on field goals last year. So Bailey is... I, I, it's like a 7 for me. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be an 8 or a 9 or a 10. Can't. Ba- Bailey is good because, as Dex can confirm, in the days when we were allowed to go into the uh, locker room post-game, you'd look at Bailey, and he wouldn't have that look in his eyes that Walsh did, which was, the world is going to blow up tonight, right? <laughs> We're all dying, right? You'd like feel Bailey, that way too if you missed a 27 But you look at Bailey, and you look in Bailey's eyes, and he's just completely flatline normal, which I appreciate. These kickers, you get so many of them who it's like the world is collapsing around them because they missed a PAT, and you're like, Zim's going to get in your face, dude. Yeah. Okay, so Bailey... I love the fact that we don't have some type of weird kicking. It it wasn't even necessarily across the board competitions. It was just these weird controversies, and then they'd make a trade with Baltimore and trade our way up fifth-round draft pick, and we'd all be like, what are you doing? So I'm very happy so with this. So we're all feeling pretty good, which means he's going to be terrible. The season, Go for two, Phil. Just, go, just start going for two. <laughs> more often, I advocate I mean, you, for it. That's what I you said. That's what Collar said for years. Just go for two. Go for two more often and go for it on fourth down more often. Put the pressure on Kirk, and then if he falls apart, rip him. So thanks for hanging out with us here on Purple Daily. You can find us, if you're listening to us, you can find us on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash score north. And you can find us alternatively in audio form if you're watching on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com, where you can also find Judd's musings about the Twins and the Vikings in written form. Thanks for hanging out with us.